You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. They've been telling us no evidence. And then some people found a dictionary and looked up, and it turns out that sworn affidavits under penalty of perjury do count as evidence. They've been telling us no irregularities, and then we see thousands of votes messed up by the software or found in a in a bag or a ditch or a, a bin somewhere that weren't counted in Georgia. We've been seeing these issues, even though all along we've been told don't pay any attention to it. Now, keep in mind, in states like Georgia, the margin of victory is less than 15,000 votes, less than 15,000 votes, friends. This is very tight. This is a very thin margin of victory. But they've been telling us all along, oh, even if there's a little bit of a little bit of a problem here or there, some fraud, a little sprinkled in there, a little irregularity peppered in here. Not going to change anything. But then yesterday in these hearings in Georgia, we saw video. I watched the whole 12 minute video presentation by the uh, Trump team. And it certainly looks very fishy. You have people dismissed told that they need to go home. It's the end of the end of the election day counting. And then some people stay behind Then they pull out suitcases from under a table and start doing something that looks a whole lot like counting. And they've got three machines that are able to go during that period of time. And they estimate that those machines could do a couple thousand, uh, a few thousand ballots an hour. And they got two hours to work with, with no one else there. And this is all on camera, which they believe would be enough for someone to count in invalid illegal votes such that it would cause the state of Georgia to go for Joe Biden. Now, that is the allegation. And I have seen the video and the video is certainly very concerning, very interesting. Why would any counting? I've seen also the explanation that the most common explanation offered up, and it's including from apparently a election official in the state of Georgia who says, oh, these are called cutters and they're removing uh, they're just removing the absentee ballots from the envelopes. Okay, why would that happen with no one else there? Why would this happen after hours? This is the standard practice. And then they say, oh, there were no ballots really in in the suitcases. They were just empty suitcases or empty bins or something. It's not compelling. The explanation for this so far is not, okay. I I, I can kind of see how that would happen. No, instead, you look at this and you say, hmm, that's very suspicious, isn't it? That seems concerning to me. But sure enough, mainstream media wants nothing to do with it. They simply don't care. They they tell us that this is already debunked. That's one of their favorite words. Anytime there's a debate that they don't want to have. They use the word debunked to claim that it's already over with. Well, now, finally, Governor Kemp of Georgia has come out and he has said that there should be a signature audit. Now, let me point something out to you. When we were initially having these fights, we were having these debates. 
before the election even happened about how mail-in ballots would be so susceptible to fraud. You know what the response was? Oh, be quiet, you you idiots. There's signature matching. That's our fail safe. So you can't just mail something in. There's signature matching. And that was in the months leading up to the election, what the pro mail in ballot media Democrats libs were saying. But then we found out after the election. Oh, yeah. Remember the whole signature matching thing? Didn't happen. Didn't didn't do it. What do you mean? Eh, maybe we did it some places, maybe not in others, but no. Why wouldn't you have an audit looking for a signature match here? There's no reason. There's a, there's an understandable public controversy. There's there's reason to believe something bad has happened here. And we have at least some prayer of finding out what really went on here by checking to see if signatures match. Now, what are the, what are the the risks uh, for the people involved in all this? You have to remember that they keep saying, oh, this Republican official or that Republican official. Uh, Can you imagine if you were in charge of elections for the state of Georgia or you were involved in that process and you've been saying all along it was fine and then you're proven to be a fraud and, and an idiot? That wouldn't look very good, would it? But more than that, and here's the part of it that I think they're they're particularly concerned about. Here's the part of it that they, that really worries them. All we have to do is find one clear cut case of fraud in one of these states and the whole conversation changes. All of a sudden, you have a situation where when they tell us that there's no uh, there's no reason to look at this, it's already over and done. Stop being a conspiracy theorist. Stop. um, Stop looking at. This crazy stuff online. Now, the president says that they didn't match. Now, the signature matches is what they would have to do in this case for the absentee ballots. Right. Mail in ballots. That's where the signature match was supposed to be applied. And we keep hearing no evidence of fraud, no evidence of fraud. But every time we try to look into allegations based on evidence, they say, shut it down. End it all. That's because they know if we find one case that they can no longer pretend is not absolutely proven, real, ironclad, the game plan has to shift. What do they say then about Wisconsin and about Nevada and about Arizona? What do they say about these other states? What do they say about Pennsylvania, where we still have very real concerns and there are serious allegations out there? They don't have an answer. They're hoping to shame you and shut you down so that we do not hold the line. And it matters right now. Here we are in December. We've got a little over a month before an inauguration. And these weeks ahead are absolutely critical. We need to support those who are going for answers here. We need to support those who are willing to present the evidence Win or lose, they are warriors for the cause here. They're doing the right thing. And we need to understand that everything on the left, everything on the left is at stake right now. Because not only 
with their dream of the end of a Trump prison. It's not like they're excited about Joe Biden, per se. I mean, no one's that dumb. But it's the end of the Trump presidency that makes them so jubilant. That's why there's this sense of of uh, of joy all across left wing America. But not only would that be at stake if we establish that there was cheating in this election, the Democrat brand. Oof, there'll be long term ramifications for that one. When we get into arguments about elections going forward, we'll say, really, cheaters. You want to try and cheat again? And don't ever forget in this process that while they're, all, while they're asking for good faith, while they're telling all of us, while the media is doing everything they can to just bludgeon you into submission with all these stories about nothing proven, fact check, it's not true, fact check, they're lying, fact check, no evidence. They spent three years pretending that the president of the United States, the actual president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, was an asset of the Kremlin, a traitor to his country, a Russian spy who stole the 2016 election. They are in no position now to point at me or you or anyone else and say, how dare you dabble in these conspiracy theories? No, we're just fact checking. We'll call it that. They like that better, I think, than searching for truth or looking for looking for clues. We'll just say we're fact checking as well. Was this election stolen? Fact check. That's what we're doing. And whenever they offer up the no evidence claim, we'll say, well, the no evidence claim has been debunked. Turn it back around on them. Use their weaponized phrases as a means of shutting down their efforts to shut you down. It'll drive them nuts. And as long as we continue to hold the line on this, as long as we continue to do what we need to here to get the evidence presented and to bring it before a judge, because even if a judge doesn't rule in our favor, at least then it's official record. The, the evidence presented in court, we can all cite it. We all know it's there. It's public. And we'll hear the presentations as we have been in these oversight committees of these state legislatures. We'll, we'll hear what the Trump team has found so far. And I'm for the first time, you know, I have not been overhyped on this. A lot of people that are running around saying Trump won. It's 100 percent. We're going to prove it. I think that they're they're getting ahead of themselves in terms of whether we can prove it. But this in Georgia. This is the first time I've said uh, we need to dig in on on this fraud and see what's really going on here, because I think we may have it. They're calling it a smoking gun. It's not quite there yet. I got to look through all the all the different explanations and all the different peculiarities of Georgia state election law. But it certainly looks fishy. And anybody seeing it, anybody who's told what's going on here, they would think the same thing. So all that nothing to see here, just move on, gets a little bit harder for the libs, doesn't it? And then when you add to that, that the Democrats change laws in places like Pennsylvania in an unconstitutional fashion, we still very much are in this fight. It is not over. And we're not going to give up until we, we decide it's time for us to move on to the next fight. And we're not there yet. So Georgia is on our minds. This signature match audit should absolutely happen. There's no reason for it not to. Governor Kemp has come forward saying just that. 
It's good to hear from the guy. It was kind of quiet for a while, it seemed there. And it's essential as well going into the January 5th runoff for the Senate that everyone understand that we're watching every move in Georgia and the GOP better have their poll watchers and their lawyers. They better get their ground game ready to go. Get those election troops, so to speak, all in line and ready to watch what's happening and make sure that it's all legitimate and legal and none of these shenanigans happen again. Because I can assure you of this, whatever the Democrats got away with on this election day, they will try the next one. Whatever it is, it'll happen again. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to BuckSexton.com. You know, I called early on for a signature audit. Obviously, the Secretary of State, per the laws and the Constitution, would have to order that. He has not done that. I think it should be done. I think, especially with what we saw today, it raises more questions. There needs to be transparency on that. Uh, I would again call for that. And uh, I think in the next 24 hours, hopefully we'll see a lot more from the hearings that the legislature had today. And we'll be able to look and see what the next steps are. So what's what are they going to say? What are they going to say when it comes time for this audit, when it's actually happening? And we find that there are some signatures that don't match if that if that happens. What are they going to say? Oh, it was a good faith mistake. I, I just want you to be prepared for it right now. It was a good faith error. People just, we wanted every vote to count. They're not signature specialists or whatever. Trust me. Trust me. They're, they're going to find some way to tell you. They're going to find some way to make it seem like this was no big deal. So here's the truth about Georgia. This is a, the AP said when a voter requests an absentee ballot on a paper application, he or she must sign it. Election officials compare that signature to the signature and voter registration files before a ballot is sent. When those ballots are returned, the required signature on the outer envelope is compared to the signature in the voter registration system. Well, Trump is saying, because a lot of people saw this, that did not happen. Didn't happen. They're supposed to be comparing the signatures. They didn't compare the signatures. Eh, you know, got to count everything. Sorry. Whatever comes in. Democrats know that if they eliminate election safeguards, if they take the the things that are put in place that are agreed to by both sides and and then they change them so that it's just possible to flood the zone with whatever it benefits them. Why? Why is that? Is there something about being a Democrat that means that you, you prefer the convenience of mailing something in as opposed to showing up in person and voting? No, I, I don't think there is. So why do Democrats recognize? Just think about it this way. What about mail in ballots, mass mail in ballots for anyone who wants one? Everyone is so obviously an enormous benefit to Democrats. They, they knew this. I mean, Nancy Pelosi was gleeful. And I'm just going to say it. Republicans should have fought harder on this earlier on. But we got so beaten down by the covid panic narrative and. Oh, my gosh, you can't expect people to to stand in line to vote. People are in line to the grocery store all the time. They're going to big box stores. All this stuff about lockdowns acts. People act like they're actually stuck in their homes and don't go anywhere. That's not true. No one does that. Or very few people do that. No, they go out and they do things that they have to do. 
And to, to vote once a year for a vast majority of people wouldn't seem like such a big imposition. They could have done it so that people were in and out in a speedy amount of time and there's no real risk of no high risk, I should say, of virus transmission. But the Democrats knew if you make this just a free for all ballots coming in from all over the place, don't know where, don't know who just sent them all out in the mail, millions and millions of live ballots all over the place. They knew it would benefit them. Why is that? We all know the answer. They say things like there's no fraud. Why would they say that? That's obviously untrue. It's propaganda. If there's no fraud, then how can we investigate it? Right. People say, ah, I heard from a really trusted source that there's no fraud. We all know it's not true, but that is their approach. That is what they will do. That is what they will say. And the implications of all this are enormous. If we catch them in one serious fraud, even if it's not enough to overturn the election. Think about this. If we catch them in one serious fraud in any of these states, then it will be that they'll be wounded in terms of their credibility, their ability to fool Americans of good of good faith and goodwill into believing the Democrats aren't somehow a corrupt political organization. Uh, that's going to be a lot harder. So I, I want to find the fraud even in, uh, under any circumstances. I want to know what was done here. I want to know what happened. Uh, because I don't believe that Democrats who claim the current president is a Russian asset and a fascist. I don't think it's above them to cheat. Just going to put this out there. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. What is Joe Biden's genius plan to save America from the virus? Anybody got any ideas? I got one. It's the same thing. Biden's got a fever, and the only prescription is more masking. Play one. It is important that we, in fact, uh, the president and the vice president, we set the, you know, the, 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 the pattern by wearing masks. Yeah. But beyond that, where the federal government has authority, I'm going to issue a standing order that in federal buildings you have to be masked and in transportation, interstate transportation, you must be masked in airplanes and buses, et cetera. And so uh, it's, a, it's a matter of, and I think my inclination, uh, Jake, is on the first day I'm inaugurated to say I'm going to ask the public for 100 days to mask, just 100 days to mask, not forever, 100 days. And I think we'll see a significant reduction if we occur that if that occurs with vaccinations and masking to drive down the numbers considerably. Because we haven't been masking. You abject moron. That's really what the plan is. I'm going to ask, you know, I was walking around and I, 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 I broke my foot on my. I'm, uh, here, here, here you go. Here, he actually answered that. Why, why did he break his foot? Play four. I wear the big boot most of the time, but when coming out here, it's just kind of clumsy. So they gave me this little thing to work. How, how is your foot and what happened? What happened was I, <laughs> I got out of the shower. I got a dog and anybody who's been around my house knows dropped a little pup, dropped a ball in front of me and for me to grab the ball. And I'm walking through this little alleyway to get to the bedroom. And I grabbed the ball like this, and he ran. And I was joking, running after him to grab his tail. And what happened was that uh, he slid on a throw rug, and I tripped on the on the rug he slid on. That's what happened. Oh man! <laughs> not 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 very exciting story. 
Your next uh, president, if the Democrats get their way, friends. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was out there, a little little dog running around, and man, the rug, and you know, I was moving, and my weight was going, and wonder, you know, this is this is who's going to be the leader of the free world if Democrats get their way. It's pretty amazing. But back to the mask mandate, though. Can you get on a plane right now without a mask? No, you cannot. Can you go into a private business in states that, like New York and California, have lockdowns and are going through their worst ever? Right now, they have the worst ever number of cases in those states. And some of them, not all of them. Is that, is, is it obvious to anybody why this is happening? Do, do they understand why this is happening? Because the masks certainly haven't stopped it. So I'm just wondering, does anybody have a theory of the Because they can keep telling us mask up, mask up, mask up. But remember, if you had an infection and a doctor told you at the beginning, oh, don't take anything for that. You don't you don't need anything. Don't take antibiotics. Don't take antivirals. Don't take anything. You'll, you'll you're you're fine. Uh, and then you found out that, oh, no, the doctor came back a few weeks later. Turns out. I know that you almost died from that infection, but you, we were totally wrong about that one. Would you trust that person as much? Would you believe them going forward? I think you'd have a tough time with it. On masking alone, Fauci, Dr. Fauci, told us all don't wear masks. In fact, there was a period there, I remember in New York, where you had to be careful if you wore an N95 mask you might get N95 shamed because people would say, why are you wearing that? That's for healthcare workers. To which I think anybody would want to respond, I don't want to get the virus. And it's in life. Ultimately, we are in a kind of every man and woman for himself situation. I know the libs like to pretend that we don't all know that, but no one cares about your health but you. Maybe your spouse, your immediate family, but no one cares about it as much as you do. No one. You care about your own health more than anyone and being told you can't wear a more effective mask that you're able to get your hands on because it is meant for healthcare workers just goes to show you the mentality here. Oh, okay. Why is it better that why should it just be for healthcare workers? Because it's better, obviously. How much better? I'm going to tell you that if you look at the science, a properly fitted N95 mask is substantially better than the bandanas that people wear and the loose kerchiefs they'll put around their face and say, yeah, I'm masked up, yeah. <sighs> and yet here we are, still being told this, 100 days, 100 days to mask. Uh, how many hundreds of days have we already done this? You know what the definition of insanity is? We all know. And that's exactly what Biden's telling us to do here. That's exactly what's going on. He wants you to just keep listening to the same stuff that hasn't worked. Somebody tell me, what would it look like right now? I mean, this is, this is the model that I want to see. If we didn't wear masks at all, if we just went around living our lives and everyone doing their own uh, cases, I'm sorry, doing their own protective measures, what would it look like? You don't ever hear that number. You don't ever get a sense of what that number would be because... What, what's it supposed it, I think today we have uh, I'm trying to see the latest the latest number of, of cases 207 217,000 cases roughly on December 3rd 
confirmed cases. 217,000. Without masks, what would that number be? I'm really curious. Two million? Five million? You know, because if if the number without masks would be 220,000 or 230,000, I think they can back the blank off. I think they can leave us the heck alone because it's not enough. But they won't tell you because they don't know. Instead, what they do is they put Biden forward. And here's my fear. You know, I've been. I've been very consistent on this, and a lot of conservatives got a little weak. Oh, but I, I like, I think, I know the science. I mean, you know, masking. And, uh, there are a lot of them, a lot of corporate conservatives out there who are uh, starting to get a little weak. Right around, uh, you know, July when there was the surge over the summer, I saw people were getting a little. Oh, I think we should we should listen to Fauci. I'm not gonna not gonna name any names because you know I think people some of them just came to it and. Good faith. And, you know, uh, how much do masks work? I tell you, I don't know. We'll find out in a few years, probably. That's when they'll actually do the real studies to see. And that's when you'll be able to look at uh, do an honest compilation of the data. And maybe it's maybe it's more effective than I think it is. But we know it's not really effective. That's 100 percent. That's absolutely certain. Okay, it's not it definitely isn't like I'm wearing a mask. I don't have to worry. In fact, most of the people getting infected think they're wearing a mask almost all the time they're supposed to. So what does that tell you? Um, But I I, I will say this. I understand the Biden 100 day order. There's a little bit of of a deviousness to this from a political standpoint. Just think about it before I tell you, think, why would Biden have this renewed call for a thing we are already doing? But setting the setting the parameters at 100 days. Well, how long is it going to take to distribute the vaccine? It will be the middle of December when they say the first doses will come out. And if they do this the right way and they get it to senior citizens, they get it to the vulnerable population. uh, Then you're going to see within 30 days, the death numbers start to go down. And then as they get it out to millions more people. When and I've actually asked doctors this and people that work in the hospital system, I've said, when do you think based on the logistics distribution and and everything else about this vaccine, when will we really see the numbers? You know, when will this get under control? January, February, March. Everyone knows that within about 90 days of the vaccine's distribution, The caseload, because, see, I do believe in science. I think the vaccine is going to work. I believe the data behind the vaccine. If you don't want to take it because you think it's got terrible side effects and everything else, that's another discussion. But I'm telling you this, if if they've put this out and they say it's 95 out of 100, you're not going to get COVID. I think it's 95 out of 100. You're not going to get COVID. So I do believe in the science when it actually is rooted in data. But I also understand politics. So what happens here, because we know the vaccine is going to be the the, the the masking is not the effective tool. Vaccines will be. But they want to create in the public mind a perception of masking that coincides with the curve, if you will, of the vaccine. So that all these people that are desperate to think they believe the science and they've been doing the right thing. I guarantee you, and producer Mark, we should mark down this show because I'm going to have to replay this in March. This one part that I'm telling you, 
We need to mark this down. I guarantee you what you'll see is that as the numbers come down of infections and hospitalizations and deaths going, you know, it'll start in January and then go and then get better in March. I mean, get better in February. And then in March, it'll be clear we've basically got this thing under control. As that happens, they will say that masking was a critical part of it and that they were proven it's because we listened to Biden for the hundred days. They will conflate these two things together because that's necessary for their narrative. They'll act like, yeah, the vax, the vaccine helped, but, you know, we didn't get it to that many people. It's really the masking, the hundred days of masking that did it. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Because so much of it is really people who just they want to think they're smart. I, I can't tell you how many people I come across who I, I know in the media, blue checks or libs. And I know they're not very bright. I know they've managed to maneuver themselves into different jobs and positions in the media because of their background or because, you know, they know the right person or they've leveraged identity politics. Well, you know, there are there are plenty of people in the media that are just straight up dumbasses, including on the right, but many more on the left per capita. And I, I can just tell you this right now. They want to believe they're smart so badly and they want to believe that they've been right all along on this one. And and all all you have to do to understand why that's unlikely, why that's unlikely to be the case is that the the Fauci esque call for masking is that it's obvious and the science proves it. But he's never addressed how it could be obvious and the science proved it now. But it wasn't at the beginning when we thought this was a much more fatal disease than it actually turned out to be. People forget that now the initial uh, IFR was uh, individual fatality rate was uh, estimated at three to five percent, which is very close to the Spanish influenza. Yeah, much worse than what we actually have, which is more like a point. They say, I think, point three. I think it's probably more like point zero three or point zero zero three. If you looked at all the cases, cases that we miss. But nonetheless. What what dramatically changed? How could something go from being obviously untrue to obviously true based on science in a period of a few months. They don't have an answer for that, do they? People don't like to think that they've been fooled, that they're not as smart as they think they are, that all of their smugness is embarrassing. So notice this. I'm telling you my prediction on this will come true. You'll see it. It'll be very apparent. The vaccine will bring this to a close. And if Biden is the president, it will be it was our vaccines and our unity around masking that got us through this. Even though, as I sit here talking to you, we look at the cases, we look at the fatalities. Masking hasn't done as a policy a damn thing to stop this virus. You know it. I know it. Look at what's happening around you today. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You attribute any of this surge that we're seeing in the last couple of days directly to Thanksgiving and the travel and the get-togethers that did happen. It may be a little bit of a blip, Savannah, but we don't expect to see the full brunt of it between two and three weeks following the Thanksgiving. So I think we have not yet seen the post-Thanksgiving peak. That's the concerning thing because the numbers in and of themselves are alarming 
And then you realize that it is likely we'll see more of a surge as we get two to three weeks past the Thanksgiving holiday. And the thing that concerns me is that abuts right on the Christmas holiday as people start to travel and shop and congregate. So that's the reason why we plead with them to please, as best as you can, uniform wearing of masks, keep distances as to the best possible way you can, avoid crowds in congregate settings, particularly indoors. And if you are indoors in that circumstance, always wear your mask. Wear your mask. That's all this guy's got for you. Stay away from human beings. Wear your mask. Do you think you're going to be able to do that? Stay away from human beings. Are you going to do that? I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I'm in New York City. I go into an office every day. I'm traveling. I'm getting into strange strangers vehicles here to go to where I have to go. I'm going into crowded stores. I'm doing all these things. I'm not worried. I'm not crazy. If I'm sick, I'm staying home. If I if I thought I had COVID, I would quarantine myself two weeks. No question. Wouldn't go anywhere. Right. But. There are only so many precautions you can take before you're just living a life of fear. And that's what they want you to do. And understand that there will be in 2021, regardless of who the president is, there's going to be a, 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 a renaissance in this country. There's going to be a sense of relief and release that will be like the end of a war that had like a draft and a lot of us going to fight. But I'm not saying it's as it's the same as that. But I'm saying it's going to be there's going to be people dancing in the streets at some point, man. There's going to be it'll be almost be, it'll be almost as exciting as the Biden victory for the libs in New York. Right. There will come a day when we realize this thing is behind us and there are going to be tremendous fights over who should get credit for it. You'll notice not a lot of talk about how it was the Trump administration that got a vaccine done in less than a year, helped bring a vaccine to market in less than a year, when usually it's four to five years. Four to five years. Could you imagine? I mean, if we had to do four years of this, I'm already thinking that I might just have to, I might have to go full civil disobedience and get arrested for mask refusal. I'm I'm considering it. Um, But see, the thing is, I don't want to make anyone else I'm polite. I don't want anyone else to worry around me. It's not about that. It's about the state mandate. It's not, I have no problem with anyone wearing a mask. I have no. I don't see someone wearing a mask and think less of them. Or maybe they're right. Maybe it's good for them. Maybe you know we should. My problem is the state arresting people for it. My problem is the state determining who can and can't uh, go about their lives, open their businesses. That's my issue. But civil disobedience, I've never really I've never really thought I had to be in a place to even consider it before. But I'm considering civil disobedience on this myself. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to BuckSexton.com. So how has this whole fight against COVID-19 gone so far? What have we learned and what should we do going forward? Critical. Absolutely essential. This and the election outcome, the two biggest, most important stories at this juncture in America. No question about it. We got somebody with a particular and worthy point of view on this one. He's writing a book about just what I what I mentioned. David Marcus, who is the New York uh, correspondent for The Federalist. He writes the dot com. He's got a book coming out on this called Charade. I can only assume that means he's actually been paying attention to all the BS we've been subjected to. <laughs> David, good to see you great to see you but so let's let's start with this uh we got biden telling us today 100 days of masking 
We got Fauci saying the same stuff that he's been saying for nine months now, basically eight months now. Uh, where's your head on all of this? And, and you're a fellow New Yorker. So we've been through the worst of this of any place in the country. And, and I'm, I'm actually considering I was saying this before. I'm actually considering civil disobedience for the first time in my life. Like, I, I think I actually need to get arrested over the covid lockdowns. That's where I'm at. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's pretty close to that. Uh, and, you know, we saw that happen this weekend on Staten Island. Um, as far as the, the, the 100 day mask mandate, I mean, according to polling, somewhere in, in the neighborhood of 85 or 90 percent of Americans are wearing masks. Um, you walk around New York City, they're fairly ubiquitous, even beyond um, what the CDC uh, has called for. Uh, you know, we also look back to that New, New England Journal of Medicine article from the spring that really clearly made the point that in most quick interactions, uh, the mask doesn't do any good. That that you know that, that is sort of meaningless because you need to to be having a long like four minute interaction to to catch it. And that got clarified by the author by the authors, but it never got corrected. They never said, "Oh no 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 no, that's not true." They said, "No, you should you should go wear your mask." So. Yeah, I mean, this is literally the least that Joe Biden can do. It's amazing that so many people think this is almost a, a, a revolutionary call from the would-be next president, Joe Biden. It, it's it's almost like he's taking a page from the Fauci book, which is just keep, keep saying the same thing, and then there's no way to, to gauge it one way or the other. And when it doesn't work out, then just say, well, people didn't do it well enough. Because, David, I, I'm looking at this now, Day to day, the data we set an we set a new, you know, it's terrible. We set a new record, unfortunately, of deaths from COVID in 24 hours in the United States. Cases over 200,000 a day confirmed this week. And I look around and I say, okay, in what world does this look like we had figured out how to stop the spread by doing all these things we've been doing? I just don't understand how anyone can come away with that conclusion. No, I don't. I don't think you can. I mean, look, the, the fact is that this is an extraordinarily. Um, contagious virus. When I interviewed uh, Dr. Slowey for my book, who's the head of Operation Warp Speed, he explained to me that if you had a disease that was as infectious or contagious as COVID and as deadly as Ebola, he he described that as something that would be in an, an extinction level uh, situation. I felt a little chill go up my spine, right? So, I mean, th this is a very contagious disease and you're absolutely right. I, our, our efforts to mitigate it um, really haven't seemed to make a whole lot of, of difference. And every time the government sticks its its finger in, in a hole in the dam, the virus starts coming through something else. So it's restaurants or it's Thanksgiving dinner or it's the schools. Or it's, and yeah, it's it's been hapless at best. So in your research for Charade, you just mentioned you uh, you interviewed Dr. Salawi. What, what part of this has been, let's just start with your title. What part of this do you feel has been a charade? Well, there, there, a lot. Uh, a lot of it has. The book is basically broken down into chapters where I, ex I explore um, one myth um, in each of the chapters. So I, I think maybe the biggest lie uh, or myth of, of the lockdown period was we're all in it together, right? This, this sort of became the advertising slogan. This sort of became the way that politicians made us feel that, that you know, we, we couldn't disobey them or we were somehow, you know, harming the collective and we were all, all going through it and obviously we weren't i mean i was very aware of the privileged position that i was in being a journalist who had all basically already worked from home 
uh, that I, I kept my income, right? I, 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 I even got the stimulus money. And meanwhile, I'd walk to the grocery store and see food lines. Um, we were never in this together. Uh, another is, you know, follow the science. And as we just talked about with the mess, well, I mean, the science changes. Um, uh, Jay Batiara, who's a, a Stanford uh, 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 professor of medicine at Stanford, he made the point recently that science can't operate if you have what I like to refer to as pandemic correctness. Science can only operate if, if everybody's ideas are able to be explored. And that clearly didn't happen. We saw that with that New, New England Journal of Medicine article where they were scolded uh, and, and, and then they were cowed. Yeah, I got throttled on social media for sharing the Danish mask study because you're only allowed to share it. And remember, now they actually will shut you down for things because they claim it lacks context, which is just a fancy way of saying we don't like your editorial bent on this, even if it's accurate. We don't like your conclusions. So we're going to say that it's not fair enough for something like this to the data, even though it's sharing actual data. So I've had to go through that, which has been quite a, a truly Orwellian experience. People overuse that term, but it actually does does apply here. And, and I just think that in New York City in particular and some of these large urban areas across the country, David, there's been a an unwillingness to question any of this because I do believe it, it just got wrapped up in anti-Trumpism. And now I know there's still this election recount lawsuits and all this going on. But every Democrat I know thinks and I know a whole bunch of them thinks that Joe Biden is the president. And this is all a, a, a joke. And, I, and they kind of look at me like, OK, so now you're going to stop pointing out the hypocrisy with the lockdowns when people who are, as you mentioned, the, the elites aren't affected by this. We're not in this together. They are literally sending stay at home. Don't see anybody orders from from their vacation spots in Mexico, as the mayor of Austin did. Right. Like, don't go anywhere. I'm flying private sure. to Mexico. I point this out still. And, they, and some of them are looking at me like, well, no, but this isn't about Trump anymore. And I'm looking at them and saying, exactly. It was never actually about Trump. You lunatics. Although I usually yeah. leave the lunatics part out. No, you're absolutely right. We'd be very lucky if this was about Trump. Um, my fear is that this is less about Trump and more about people like uh, Emperor Cuomo getting a taste of absolute power and deciding, hey, this this tastes pretty good. And I still have an excuse to tell people that, you know, now for 10 months, I have to operate under the emergency powers that were given to me by the state legislature. That's happening all over the country. By the way, that's happening by the same people who accuse Trump of being a authoritarian. I mean, what's going on? Yeah, it can't, it can't be all these things. We're speaking of David Marcus, who is the New York correspondent for The Federalist. He writes at thefederalist.com. So, David, uh, what do you think is coming? I mean, I, I made a prediction. I've been making a prediction that you're going to see if the Biden mask mandate, which I mean, it, it, you can't fly right now without a mask. They will actually not fly and they, they will boot you off the airline permanently. <laughs> That's what they threaten to do to people. And they've actually done it, I think, a few times now if you don't mask up. So it's just adding to this. But my belief is that they're going to have that they're going to try to have this renewed sense of lockdown. And I mean that with the stay at home orders and the masking alongside vaccine distribution. And then as if we're all a bunch of idiots, they're going to turn around and say in right right around March when the cases, God willing, I think they will are cratering and everything's working. They'll say, see, yeah, the vaccine was kind of helpful, but it was really all those 
Fauci-esque orders that got it done. I think that's what's going to happen. It, it, it may well. And look, part of the reason that I wanted to, to write the book is because the history is already so skewed and, and, and so wrong about what, what's happened that I believe you're right that that'll continue to be the case. The, the very first chapter, uh, the, the very first myth that I, that I bust in this book is this idea that January and February were wasted months by the Trump administration, that they just weren't doing anything. And then all of a sudden in March, and it, it's, it's an absolute fabrication. As Alex Azar um, pointed out just the other day, it was January 9th when the NIH started working with Moderna on a vaccine. To put that in perspective, that's before China admitted that there had been a single death. That's before the World Health Organization said that there was human to human contact. And that is why we have that particular vaccine today. So, uh, you know, and that was the story, right? How often did you hear that? Oh, well, Trump didn't do anything in January and February. The media just repeated it, and it's a blatant lie. I was on the Bill Maher show in February, as, as this audience knows, and was laughed at and sneered at by that audience, which happens if you're a conservative, doesn't matter who you are, what you do. That's what then. Unfortunately, that's the deal. But you got to go into the lion's den sometimes. And, and it was because they they had already decided that Trump had failed. And this was before a single American had died from covid. He was already a catastrophic failure on covid. So it was all, it was all baked in before anything even happened. It didn't matter. And I think, that, you know, tragically, unfortunately, from a political perspective, I think it was largely effective. I mean, this should not have even been a close election if it weren't for COVID. And here we are still counting ballots. Well, look, I think the news that, that just broke about uh, Nancy Pelosi is, is just about the most horrible thing I can imagine a, a politician doing. I mean, she just announced this morning that now because Biden is going to be president, she'll accept a smaller uh, stimulus package. I mean, millions of people have been suffering who need that money, millions of businesses who, you know, who need that support. Uh, and, and the fact that she's just blatantly admitting that the only reason that she wouldn't do it was because she wanted Joe Biden to be president. I mean, lie to me, right? Tell me it's because cases are spiking. Say anything else. Don't blatantly tell me that you plunge people into misery for the sake of winning an election. It's 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 a shocking admission. Do you think New York has had is, is it fair or what would be your your calculation about whether we could say New York specifically has had the the worst leadership? We've certainly had the worst outcomes, but is it fair to say we've had the worst leadership during the covid outbreak? I don't know, man. I was in Chicago last week. Um, and my understanding is that they, those kids haven't been back in school at all. Um, and, and that it's basically like all remote, at least for the public schools, their restaurants are closed and man, no, November in Chicago, trying to eat a steak outside under a heat lamp. Uh, that's just about over. Uh, you know, I was able to manage it, but it, that's just about done. Right. Um, so that's been pretty bad. As you mentioned, Garcetti, has been bad. Uh, Newsom hasn't. Look, it's a competitive category, but I, I'm like, you know, I'm like you. I always want to give New York number one, so we can give number yeah. one with an asterisk. I, but I, I, I agree with you, Garcetti. I, I love that uh, with Garcetti. He says he has said the quote is cancel everything, but podcasting, which is near and dear to my heart, podcasting is an essential activity. So if you have to leave your home or take some risks for that one, okay, 
Good to know. Because he's got buddies, you know, he's got celebrity friends that want to keep doing their, their podcasts and go into their studios. David Marcus, uh, he's got a book. It's not, when's it coming out, David? It comes out in March, but it's available for uh, pre-order at all the, you know, Amazons and Barnes and Noble, you know, all the, all the companies that are taking over the world and stomping their foot on small business. So, you know, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for waiting to try to buy it at a bookstore, but, uh, there but we it'll go. be out in March. David Marcus of the Federalist, everyone. David, thanks so much, man. Have a good one. Thanks for having me.